The book of Matthew 5:45 and 48, that you may be sons of your Father in heaven, for he makes the sun rise on the evil and on the good and sends rain on the just and on the unjust. Therefore you shall be perfect, just as your Father in heaven is perfect. The sermon that I would like to continue is called Called to Perfection. We note this promised commandment is the inheritance of saints of all times, and the commandment is specifically addressed by Christ to his students. Therefore, who, those who do not acknowledge over themselves the authority of a person that is sent by God have no part to the inheritance contained in this commandment, and it is doubtful they will ever be able to have it, because they are convinced that they can and are even required to have their own opinion. As soon as you have your own opinion, regardless, uh, how do you understand this? How do you understand this? And so then they try to match up who agrees with who in opinions. And so sometimes the Pharisees and sometimes the Pharisees agreed with the apostles. And so the Pharisees uh, believed in the resurrection of Christ and or the resurrection of life and the Sadducees didn't. And so sometimes people uh, call me and say, Pastor Arkady, I agree with what you say and I get, I'm confused by these calls. Uh, it is not mine, it is not what I have said, it is what the Lord uh, has said. It, I am his, his trumpet, I am his lips I, that speak. And so people don't understand the commandment, they do not comprehend it. Can you be perfect as your heavenly Father is perfect? Is it even possible in this mortal, weak body, with this kind of uh, inherited sin that's in the body, is it possible to be perfect? And what do you consider perfection? They think it's possible because they, as God sends his reign and his son on the righteous and unrighteous, they say that we need to love everyone. And so they say we love everyone. We need to love everyone. But as soon as it comes to us, they don't love us. And then I ask them, why don't you love us if you love everyone? They love everyone else but us. Because to love, if they loved, they would not have left. And if you leave, then you never loved. Because the apostle said directly, they left, they came out from us because they were not of us. And in this way, it has been manifest that they were never of us. They leave and say, I love you. And even leaving, they tell me, you need to know that I still love you, dear pastor. And so, this one individual that I was speaking with, uh, he, uh, he was speaking to me and I saw within his eyes de uh, a demon. And so he was saying he loves, but this is how 
they are. To be perfect as our Heavenly Father is perfect is to love the righteous as God loves them and to hate the unrighteous just as God hates them, pouring out therefore using our mouth blessing upon the righteous and curses upon the unrighteous. As it relates to fulfilling the required commandments to be vigilant over the word of God within our heart as God is vigilant over His spoken word in the temple of our body, we need to be vigilant together over this word because God has magnified his word above all of his name where in the temple and the temple is the church it is the humble and contrite spirit or his a person's heart and the holy heavens and so our body is the temple of the Holy Spirit and he is vigilant there and we need to be vigilant also in this temple when both are vigilant within the temple God and us we collaboratively are vigilant, God uh, is vigilant over His word and we are vigilant over that very word that God is vigilant over, then this means that God is a servant of His word. Any word that comes out of His mouth, He becomes a voluntary servant of that word and in heaven the position of a servant is the greatest. God becomes a servant of His word because in this way he shows that I and my word are the same to trust me and to trust my word are the same thing I am unchanging in my word as it relates to fulfilling the required commandments to be vigilant over the word of God within our heart as God is vigilant over his spoken word in the temple of our body we stop to study the following question what specific goals does the righteousness of God pursue that abides within our heart and in part we've been studying the purpose of the righteousness of God within our heart received by us in the two broken tablets of the covenant where we in the death of the Lord Jesus died by the law for the law so that we can receive justification in the new tablets of the covenant which symbolize the resurrection of Christ so that we can live for the one that died and resurrected in order to obtain confirmation of our salvation in the new tablets of the covenant in order to give God the proper foundation to give us the promise to be heirs of peace not by the law but by the righteousness of faith similar to how he gave it to Abraham and his seed who was delivered up because of our offenses and was raised because of our justification Romans 4.25 righteousness of faith it completely does not come from the law when the law did not exist there was no circumcision but God had already uh, seen in Abraham righteousness why because he considered considered himself dead to sin living for God and proclaimed the promises that were given to him that he will be the heir of the land that he was in he proclaimed that not existent as existent and all of the promises of God he saw in his children and because of this he uh, accounted this righteousness to him to inherit the land is to inherit your body by the redemption of Christ to inherit the sons that we are to bear that God has promised this is to inherit all of the promises of God that are given to us in Jesus Christ and this is without number 
and we are called to inherit all of them. These are the imperishable inheritance that has no number or limit. We've noted that the righteousness of faith making us heirs of the peace of God is determined by the humble obedience of our faith to the faith of God. <clears throat> the faith of God is the preached word of the delegated of God and that person who represents a father that is sent to us. Therefore, the promise of the peace of God is only given to those people that obey the order of God that functions within the body of Christ, which contains a hierarchical structure of theocracy, where God sends us His word using the mouth of His delegated ones. The covenant of peace in the heart of a man is the result of the obedience of his faith to the faith of God that is spoken by his delegated ones. The faith of God is the captain of our faith that we are to look at. And we are the soldier, the warrior in prayer that is obedient to that word. As soon as we hear it, we already are ready beforehand, whatever word will be given by God, we prepare ourselves in advance that when we hear God's word, whatever it may be and the price to pay, we will fulfill it. And this preparedness in us, this readiness in us, it is great. We're ready to pay whatever we need to in order to fulfill it. If we're not ready to pay whatever we need to, including our life, then this is not being ready. First, it is specifically by the means of the righteousness of faith that the covenant of peace in the format of the inheritance of peace is called to abide and be evidence within our heart that we are children of God. And second, it is specifically the fruit of righteousness that is grown in the Eden of our heart that reveals itself in the covenant of peace that is called to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. It is very important because the kind of mind we will have is how we will be. We can't uh, have our minds be guarded in Christ Jesus. They have to be in Christ Jesus to be guarded. Otherwise, if they're somewhere else, that this can't happen. When Israel walked under the cloud that represented Jesus Christ, then no enemy could attack them. But as soon as they uh, came out from under that covering, the Amalekites were killing them. Remember, the Amalekites, they are always following us. This is Esau. This is the symbol of the soul. He's always pursuing us, our soul, although We've submerged him into the death of the Lord Jesus Christ and destroyed him there, and it's been risen in a new form. He, there are still aspects in the soul that are constantly uh, following us, and as soon as they see that we are coming from out of the covering, they immediately tr uh, destroy us. Why did God not protect Israel from the Amalekites? Because they needed to be under his covering and they themselves would leave his covering, their cloud, or God's cloud, and the result was death. Be anxious for nothing, but in everything by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God, and the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus, Philippians 4, 6, 7. The peace of God works within Christ Jesus under this covering. If our mind is renewed and we are meditating about the things of of the spirit then will the result will be 
eternal life. The fruit of righteousness within the atmosphere of the peace of God that is able to keep our mind in Christ Jesus is the seal of God upon our forehead. Walk upon the street of Jerusalem and put the mark upon or the seal upon the forehead of the righteous of those that are and then after that is done destroy all the remaining and start from my temple and the elders that were in the temple you see how God cleanses Jerusalem he clean, cleans it or cleanses it from uh, weeds from these uh, clay pots because in heaven clay pots will not be needed we talked about that if we want to be vessels of honor not to pass on negative information about one another the seal of God reveals itself upon our forehead with spiritual thinking or thinking of what is spiritual which is the mind of Christ in our spirit how do I know that I have the seal of God upon my forehead and not the seal of the beast or the mark of the beast people still think that the mark of the beast is something physical that they'll be able to feel or see the seal of the beast is a spiritual thing. It's not going to, you're not going to be able to see it physically, but as soon as a, be, a person begins to do something, you will know, you'll immediately be able to determine that he has the mark of the beast. As soon as a person begins to say something, you'll immediately see, oh, this is a seal of God. Let's read the place. To be carnally minded is death, but to be spiritually minded is life and peace. Because the carnal mind is enmity against God, for it is not subject to the law of God, nor indeed can be. So then those who are in the flesh cannot please God. Romans 8, 6 through 8. And so remember, remember uh, well that whomever you may meet, this is not a chip that is put under the skin or that they today try to convince you also that they're putting it into your body. These are uh, Satanists that have passed on this uh, information, that this uh, chip has, is a mark of the beast that will be able to control you. Tell them this mark of the beast is when a person meditates about the things of earth. He wants to become wealthy on earth and he is captivated by that that money controls him this is the mark of the beast the mark of God is meditating about the things that are spiritual and so it is not this uh, chip as they call him a mark of the beast that will control you you are controlled by your thoughts and so different nature of information and so when you're taking it from the wrong wellspring the one that is not eternal life, when you start drawing in the church of saints where there's a person placed by God that is an apostle anointed by God whom, to whom is given the revelations to see the signs and the essence of the teaching, when you will begin to take from this wellspring, then results will, you'll see these results, but if you look at these other wellsprings or listen to this one and then run to others, you will mix the things that I say and those things you see on the internet and you will become Babylon that will mix the things of God with the things of men. The products of the intellect it is the intellect of another person even that you read according to the given place of scripture we conclude that people who reject the condition to have their faith obeyed the faith of God do not have any relation to the peace of God and are not able to have it 
And consequently, such people cannot have any relation to the sons of peace, as the sons of peace, by the means of the peace of God, will inherit eternal salvation in the kingdom of heaven. We need to understand well that it is only salvation and the kingdom of heaven are one. Jesus didn't come and say, I came to preach salvation. I came to preach the kingdom of heaven. He went to the uh, towns and, and, the, and the different places he went, and he preached the kingdom of heaven. And as people think that the kingdom of heaven uh, is, a, is a high price and salvation is free, you can just come in, it's, that's not the case. These are one and the same. In order to, there were many prophets before John, but after John, the kingdom of heaven is uh, taken, as it says, by spending your energy, your time. This is rejecting something so that you can obtain something different. And so we need to understand that the kingdom of heaven is God's salvation. Out of the kingdom, there's no salvation. Salvation is in the kingdom of heaven. We need to understand well that it is only by the collaboration of our spirit with our renewed mind, that is in Jesus Christ, that we are able to enthrone the resurrection of Christ in our bodies and clothe our body into the resurrection of Christ. We need a renewed mind. And for this, we need to first cast off the old person from ourselves. That is, we die in the death of the Lord Jesus Christ for our nation, for the house of our Father, and for our destructive desires. By the the law, die for the law. The law is given for the criminal, the sinner, and when we die for that law and we rise in the resurrection of Christ, then the grace of God has the legitimate right to be over us, but before that time it cannot. And so that men of flesh, that, that they don't have the grace of God, and not only do they not have it, these people resist the grace of God. They say with their lips, but they resist it. They don't accept justification freely by grace. They try to fast, pray, uh, evangelize, do good works, and they try to, in this way, earn their righteousness when it is given to us freely for what Jesus has done. This is the work of Christ. This is the work of God. Justification. We received it freely by the redemption of Christ. And not only that, we were all born from the seed of the word of truth, righteous and holy, because the righteous, a righteous and holy God cannot bear unrighteous and unholy children that who then need to earn it by the way of fasting and other things. We first are given righteousness. We become righteous and we're holy because of our origin from where we come and now being righteous and holy now you perform righteousness and our work of righteousness starts when we accept the promise that we begin to consider ourselves dead to sin living for God and proclaim that non-existent stronghold of resurrection of Christ in our body and the clothing of our body into the resurrection of Christ as existing. And God then accounts this to us as righteousness. And so you are all righteous regardless of all of the falling. And inside there may be something very different you're feeling. Don't look at what's going on inside. Don't look at the lusts, the ambitions, the desires. If you've agreed with this information, then God accounts this to you as righteousness. Don't pay attention 
or try to determine your relationship with God with your emotions. If you fell, rise. If you fall, rise. If you fall, rise again. The righteous will fall seven times, rise again. The wicked will fall and not rise again. Relevant to this, we stop to study the fourth question. By what signs do we examine ourselves that we are the sons of peace? and therefore are the sons of God. Because it is only by the rule of the peace of God within our heart that we are able to examine ourselves that we are truly the sons of God. As it is written, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Matthew 5, 9. We need to never forget that if a person in the death of the Lord Jesus has not died for his nation, for the house of his father, and for his life in the flesh, then his justification that he received in salvation by faith in Christ Jesus in the format of a guarantee will never convert into the format of the fruit of righteousness, where he would be able to receive the ability to be clothed into the promise of God's inheritance of his peace so that we can then bear within this righteousness fruits of peace because a person has not died for these three the crown of righteousness then is taken from him that is being prepared for him this crown is supposed to give him the right to the promise of peace where he would be able to be called a son of God. Behold, I am coming quickly. Hold fast what you have, that no one may take your crown. Revelation 3.11 The fruit of righteousness within our heart is the form in the format of the peace of God is evidence of the fact that we are sons of peace, which serves as a proper foundation for God to fulfill His part of the covenant, which consists in leading us into the inheritance of His Son, so that we can share with His Son the fulfillment of all that is written about Him in the laws, prophets, and psalms. And this is the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ. In order to be raptured, only those people that have testimony will be raptured. They've received the promise that has delivered them from death. As soon as we receive this promise, death no longer has power over us, the second death. We have our Methuselah, Enoch, only after he bore Methuselah, began to walk before God. By give, he bore uh, Methuselah, and it says he walked before God, one who drives away death, Methuselah. And so when we receive the promise of the adoption of our body by the redemption of Christ by faith, we already drive away death, and we have testimony that when the time comes to rapture the church from the earth, we will be raptured. This is our guarantee. The one that doesn't have that guarantee, they won't be raptured in that moment or resurrect in that moment. Although they are promised that, yes, we will meet, but we will not meet with these people because they didn't have a guarantee for rapture. People say, well, they had faith. Well, there's faith in, in many people, but as one of the sisters said, I was at work. And so she was smoking out in the hallway. She was a manager of, of ours, and her father had died. And she was saying, well, you know, during the, the resurrection, you know, during rapture, I'll meet with my, my, my father. Um, but I could see this person is completely confused on what they know and what they think. She's, and so 
People are convinced that by evangelizing or doing good work that they will be uh, raptured, which is not the case. In a particular format, we already looked at six of the signs, the consistency of which allows us to judge and examine ourselves as to whether we are the sons of peace and furthermore than the sons of God, and stop to study the seventh sign. This is our ability to clothe our body or our essence into the holy and selective love of God. That is, clothe us ourselves with the confessions of our heart. We have the fruit of the Spirit. When you confess it, this confession, the fruit of your mouth, clothes you. God will clothe us into the fruit of righteousness, our body into the pearl nacre of immortality, using our mouth upon the condition that we will confess the faith of God that is in our heart. But when we confess the faith of God, then uh, by this time our mouth needs to be uh, gentle. A gentle of a mouth is uh, the tree of life. When we have this discipline, we can restrain our wrath, as we talked about on Friday, withholding your anger or your wrath, because anger uh, nests in the heart of the foolish, and so it's no one uh, c- uh, judges you or condemns you, not, not even God, if you have anger when your sovereign rights are being violated, but you withhold that anger, you withhold the words that you would want to say, and you allow God the ability to judge, you give it to Him. Because in this wrath, in this anger, your sovereign rights may have been violated, your uh, name has been defamed, there's many different things that could have happened, and they may be just, but you withhold the words you want to say and give this place to God's uh, wrath. But above all these things, put on love, which is the bond of perfection. Not something separate, but the bond of perfection. In the world, if you ask any philosopher, what is perfection? They'll tell you, in the world there's nothing perfect. Everything is in relation to something. We are always being perfected, is what they say. We're perfecting uh, time. Uh, I told one of this gentle, one of these gentlemen, this, uh, these uh, philosophers, and I asked him, "Is a person uh, is a person perfecting also? As you see, a person ages, but many of the." studies that have been made aren't even accurate. In 10 years, they then realized that what they had studied, what they've discovered, was not true or not accurate. And so, the bond of perfection, the love of God, agape, and let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to which also you were called in one body, and be thankful, Colossians 3, 14, 15. The peace of God can rule within the atmosphere of God's love, agape. According to the given place, the rule of the peace of God within our heart is possible only upon one condition, and that is if the known by us selective love of God will abide within our heart, and we will be clothed then into its burning zeal. Comprehending the holy and selective love of God is called to fill us with all of the fullness of the peace of God or make us perfect 
as our Heavenly Father is perfect, so that we can obtain the ability to shine our sun upon the righteous and the unrighteous and pour out our rains upon the righteous and unrighteous in accordance to the implemented within our heart law of God. For the one as a goodness, a favor, for the other as a punishment. We can't bless the unclean. We can't bless the devil. We can bless the world that has not known God. We can bless men of flesh that are resisting the truth, but due to ignorance, they don't know. But we can't bless the wicked and lawless that legalize sin, that find places of scripture, they pervert them so that they can legalize sin, that wine is okay to drink, that uh, any kind of fornicating work is not even a problem, that homosexuality and lesbianism, these are okay, and these are just what a person feels, and a person has sovereign rights, and he himself chooses to be, uh, uh, whether he wants to be a man or a woman. No, God did not give us that right to choose. How we were born is our calling. If I was born a man, I need to fulfill the calling of a man. If I was born a woman, I need to fulfill the calling of a woman. Because when people change their gender, they don't want to fulfill the calling of a woman. This man that has uh, made themselves uh, breasts and and has removed his other uh, intimate parts. He is not trying to fulfill the calling of a woman or to give uh, uh, or bear children. They just want a perverse form of sex. And the same thing uh, with women uh, that do the same thing to themselves. And why did this happen? Because they forsook the truth and because they have chosen to uh, follow their own lust, their own ambition, God had allowed them to be to pervert their, their way of thinking. And these men and women then uh, perform shameful acts. And we have in Los Angeles... Uh, up to 5,000 members of homosexual people. They they say God loves us just as we are and God has given us the right and we have our right and we have made ourselves men and women. We have such a president, Joe Biden, that is agreeing to this. To this. We are called to obey all authority within the boundaries of Scripture. If it's out of the boundaries of Scripture, we don't have to agree with it. In Scripture, the selective love of God is presented by the Holy Spirit in the light of seven unchanging virtues or characteristics by the preached word spoken by the apostles and prophets. Virtue, knowledge, self-control, perseverance, godliness, brotherly kindness, and love. Second Peter 1, 2 through 8. In its essence, the love of God agape is a sovereign love that is unconditional specifically in regards to those persons that she has selected in its ability to foreknow and predestine. And so specifically for these people, it is unconditional. But in general, as it is, it is conditional. But for these uh, that have been foreknown and predestined before the creation of the world, he foreknew and predestined them, 
it is unconditional for them. Because of her sovereignty, the selective love of God will never violate the sovereign rights of those people that she has selected and never allows her own sovereign rights in her boundaries of burning holiness to be violated. In a specific format of the seven characteristics of virtue that united identify the goodness of God within our heart, we have already looked at five and stopped to study the sixth. This is the calling to demonstrate the love of God, agape in brotherly love. In the Holy Scriptures, the level of power of the selective love of God functioning within the atmosphere of brotherly love is discovered and known exclusively by the level of the power of the hatred of God toward evil and men who do this evil. Because evil is a program, love is a program. The one and the other program cannot be uh, functional out of a programmable system. When you put it into a system that can activate it, then can it show itself, demonstrate it, so the program of evil or program of good. It's not possible to take a program of love and put into a system that is called evil into the soil of an unclean heart because a programmable system is the heart of a man. He is that a system that can then activate this program. And so when a person uh, leaves infancy, spiritual infancy, becomes uh, spiritual, becomes he is grown into full measure of growth in Christ, then he has a good the good soil of his heart. And until this time, you can't put the truth into his heart. Why? Because his heart is not able to receive then this program. And so evil, which demonstrates itself in a person in his hatred that comes from his jealousy and his pride, and good, which demonstrates itself in a person in love, which comes from brotherly love, are programs. Therefore, to love righteousness and hate lawlessness is only possible in its carriers, which are their programmable systems. As it is written, the Lord tests the righteous. He tests the righteous. He tests the program that's in in this righteous person how it works when a man of study uh, create any kind of robot or any other kind of machine or work uh, they test it a plane that comes out from the factory it, it isn't immediately allowed to go and fly uh, or carry passengers or they test the the plane they test all its part they test that it works uh, for for a, a a decent period of time to then see if there's any corrections needed or adjustments. God is the same. He tests the righteous. He tests his uh, program in this person if it's if this person is collaborating with his righteousness. When we do something wrong, our uh, program through the conscience uh, says, well, you should, probably shouldn't have said these words. You probably should take these words back. And so, in your conscience, when you do something wrong, it condemns you. But when your conscience has the wrong teaching, your conscience begins to judge you for something that is not a sin. Paul said directly, it is written that the, wi- the weak uh, eat only vegetables. They think that eating meat is a sin. And for this person, he truly believes that uh, meat is a sin. Is a sin. But a person that has grown into full measure of growth in Christ, uh, meat 
uh, is not, when he eats meat, he is not, uh, his conscience doesn't condemn him. God says, everything that moves, I give you uh, for food. God did not create unclean creatures. He created all clean things. It's interesting that the unclean animals, why you can't eat them, this is my holiness and uh, as it is in the Old Testament that they were unclean and clean and the reason there was the unclean category as it were of animals they were his holiness and so they were just they were forbidden from being eaten <clears throat> but if, as soon as a person is growing to full measure of growth as Christ, of uh, growth of Christ uh, God allows then a person to eat what is on this table of showbreads that was usually forbidden God showed the vision to the to Apostle Peter when he saw uh, the vision of all of the animals. There were serpents and all kinds of animals uh, all together. And God t told him, uh, take and eat these animals. And Peter became afraid. He said, I've never, ever eaten these unclean animals. I won't do it. But God said, everything that I have cleansed is clean indeed, and you can eat it. And so he changed his mind on that. When God created all animals, he said that they were good. If you remember, God created them and said, and God saw that it was good, it is written. If it's unclean, it is not unclean for God, it's unclean for men in the moment when God commanded that. And so we see that his prophets walked in unclean garments, as it were, on the uh, skins from uh, camels and other animals. Uh, Elijah had received food from a raven, an unclean animal. Why did God show this? And so a person uh, who was always looking what's unclean, what's clean, would never understand this. Unclean is what comes out of an evil heart. That is what's unclean. But what goes into a man's mouth doesn't make him unclean. What is not necessary, the system itself will then throw out of the body, if anything. The Lord tests the righteous, but the wicked and the one who loves violence, his soul hates. Upon the wicked he will rain coals, fire, and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. You see how God shines his sun upon the, uh, upon the people. He will, pour out, he will rain coals, fire, and brimstone, and a burning wind shall be the portion of their cup. This is their portion for the wicked. The same thing we also then with God proclaim these raining coals may the wicked go to hell this is what we need to proclaim for the wicked that they leave our services that the wicked not sit in the assembly of the righteous and and then and people you hear people say oh well they curse in that church we shouldn't go there for the Lord is righteous he loves righteousness his countenance beholds the upright in the original, it's so amazing, this place of scripture, 
his countenance beholds the upright. And so that means God is attracted by the face of the righteous. He's inspired. He literally is inspired by the face of the upright. He loves to look at the face of the upright. It says that my dove is in the cleft of the rock. Please show me your face. Allow me to hear the voice or your voice because your voice is sweet. Your face is pleasant. The sweetness of the voice is, what is sweet is grace. She considers herself dead to sin, living for God, and proclaimed the non-existent in the body as existent. And so her face is pleasant and her voice is sweet. Relevant to this, as in the previous components of the virtue of God, in His unique toward us goodness, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith in the seven components that we have listed above, it is necessary for us to answer four classical questions. What do the scriptures say about the origin and nature of the essence of the fruit of virtue discovering itself in the heart of man and the love of God agape coming from brotherly love, which we are called to demonstrate in our faith? What purpose is in demonstrating our faith is the love of God agape called to fulfill, coming from the atmosphere of brotherly love. What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate the fruit of virtue in our faith in the love of God agape coming from brotherly love? And by what signs do we examine ourselves as to whether we are demonstrating the fruit of virtue in the love of God agape coming from brotherly love? In a specific format, we already looked at the first two questions and stopped to look at the third question. What conditions do we need to fulfill in order to demonstrate in our faith the love of God within the atmosphere of brotherly love? The first condition giving we already studied, giving God the proper foundation to, fo- to pour out His love into our heart, is our decision to be born from the imperishable seed of the preached to us word. If we have not been born from the preached to us word, then if we don't have this condition or price, then we can't even then pay the price so God demonstrate himself in his love. Second condition, giving God the proper foundation to pour out his love into our heart within the atmosphere of brotherly love is to demonstrate salt as the fruit of holiness within our faith. This is quite a um, large uh, subject, and, and there's a lot of information in it. You are the salt of the earth, but if the salt loses its flavor, how shall it be seasoned? It is then good for nothing but to be thrown out and trampled underfoot by men. Matthew 5.13 You are the salt of the earth. You are the light and you are a salt. How can we say we are truly salt or light? We know salt is holiness. The presence of salt representing the quality of holiness is formed in man because of his total dedication to God, which preceded total sanctification, making him an island that from all sides is washed by the purifying waters of sanctification, specifically presenting your body a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God for good service, upon the altar of burnt offering. 
A living sacrifice upon the altar of burnt offering clothes us into the virtue of the fruit of holiness, which makes us a salt for the earth and therefore defines the soil of our heart as good and wise. Where is holiness demonstrate itself? For everyone will be seasoned with fire. We, we can be seasoned with fire upon the altar when we are presenting our body a living sacrifice, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. By law, when offering was burnt, once it was burned, a, it was a salt was thrown upon it, because salt also included a covenant with God. During any sacrifice, salt was brought, and you will not leave your sacrifice without salt. Why did Saul not uh, keep his kingdom? Because he did not have the covenant of salt. He did not holiness. He didn't separate the pure from impure, evil from good. David did. For everyone will be seasoned with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt loses its flavor, how will you season it? Have salt in yourselves, and have peace with one another. Mark 9.49.50 Salt without peace is not possible. And peace with men that are unclean it's not possible to have salt because it's holiness. Although all of the sheep by nature are pure animals, the one that becomes holy, however, is the one that is separated for a burnt offering upon the altar of burnt offerings. When she is separated from the flock, and when she's separated, she becomes holy, and she is prepared for the offering. Because of this, we can make a conclusion that if our offering, which is our prayer intercessions, is not offered upon the fire of the altar of burnt offering, so it can be salted with the fire of holiness, we do not have then the right to be an intercessor in the status of a priest of God. And if it is brought correctly upon this offering, burnt, uh, altar burnt offering, and it is seasoned with salt, then we do have the right to be an intercessor. And consequently, uh, if, again, if we are not offering our prayers upon this altar, we also are not, then do not have the legitimate status to the right to enter into the presence of the Lord. Holiness is the state of our heart, which demonstrates itself in the legitimate words of prayer, which are then followed by acts, drawing upon us God's favor. Pursue peace with all people and holiness, without which no one will see the Lord. Hebrews 12, 14. And so if we begin to demonstrate peace out of the boundary of holiness and not upon the condition of holiness, then we will perish. Demonstrating holiness in prayer is confirming your origin giving us the proper foundation to make a new covenant with God, which is a covenant of eternal peace. Therefore, the quality of holiness demonstrated in prayer gives us the right to enter into the presence of God, which we demonstrate to God as evidence that we are holy. 
Because in essence, only those that are holy are able to demonstrate the interests of the holiness of their God by completing their sanctification, pursuing the goal of dedication in order to serve God. The word holiness means born from God, born for God, coming from God, belonging to God, abiding in God, the personal possession of God, redeemed by God, separated for God, dedicated to God, in the likeness of God, inheriting with God what he has. Therefore, the word holy identifies the inner state of the human heart that is born from God. At the same time, the word holiness identifies the demonstration of this state of the heart, which serves as an argument of our belonging and our origination in God and from God, which gives us the right to be warriors in prayer, giving God the proper foundation to bow down the heavens for us. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Only these people can pray this way. Another person, if he prays, this will be an offense to offending God. Bow down your heavens, O Lord, and come down. Touch the mountains, and they shall smoke. Flash forth lightning and scatter them. This is talking about our enemies. Shoot out your arrows and destroy them. Stretch out your hand from above. Rescue me and deliver me out of great waters from the hand of foreigners whose mouth speak lying words, and whose right hand is a right hand of falsehood. I will sing a new song to you, O God, on a harp of ten strings. I will sing praises to you, the one who gives salvation to kings, who delivers David his servant from the deadly sword. Psalm 144, 5-10 We more than once have paid attention to the fact that our prayer in the form of a new song is called to bow down the heavens for us. This is the home of God and the kingdom of God, the place from which his love is poured out. The kingdom of God in his temple that has brotherly love. Where is that love poured out? Uh, in the atmosphere of brotherly love. He lives in the temple which, and also in the humble and contrite spirit, which is part of this brotherhood. In scripture, the phrase to bow down the heavens when it comes to the relationship of God with man means to incline your ear. God inclines his ear to such a person, listens attentively, turns his eyes to what is good for this person, becomes a stronghold or a place of refuge. To be, he becomes a covering for this person. He occupies a circle of defense. He makes your enemies flee and strikes your enemies down in order to give God the proper foundation to bow down the heavens for us so that he can pour out his love into our hearts it is necessary to present to God arguments of your uh, or your beginning or your first fruit or origin and demonstrating the fruit of holiness exclusively within the atmosphere of brotherly love but now having been set free from sin and having become slaves of God you have your fruit to holiness and the end everlasting life when have you been set free from sin when you received by faith justification the promise of the adoption of my body your body belongs to us and we believe it by faith and we consider ourselves dead to sin living for God proclaiming that not existent stronghold in our body as existing. This is that moment where we become free from sin.
And we are already righteous, and now no matter how many times you may fall, you will rise again. God will say, rise, you are righteous. Repent, reject what you've done, and return. And you are now free from sin. The fact that you fell doesn't mean that you are a servant of sin. You are free from sin, because you have received freely according to this place and so until a person is freed from sin by casting off his old person he can not become a servant until he does this he casts off his old person he cannot become a servant of God so that he can demonstrate the salt of holiness therefore to demonstrate the salt of holiness it is necessary first to be holy but you do not become holy you are born holy from the imperishable seed of the word of God therefore you can only be holy in your beginning or your origin being born from a holy God and to comprehend the essence and difference between the definition of holy and the definition of holiness in our relationship with God it is necessary for us to answer a series of questions what does it make of itself what is it and how is the characteristic of the love of God and holiness identified what purpose is the holiness of the love of God called to fulfill in the relationship of God with man and man with God third what price is necessary to be paid in order to demonstrate the love of God in holiness in order to collaborate with the holiness of God and by what signs do we examine ourselves that we are truly collaborating our holiness with the holiness of the love of God and not its counterfeit that outwardly looks no different from the original we will be studying the identification or quality of holiness identifying the love of God in brotherly love together with the characteristic of the holiness of man within the boundary of the human heart specifically the demonstration of the quality of holiness identifying the atmosphere of brotherly love is called to give God the proper foundation he needs to pour out his love into our heart and be a legit field in the relationship of God with man and man with God in a specific format we have already studied that identification of holiness therefore we will immediately begin studying its purpose but first in short words I will bring forth the essence of its identification first the holiness of God in the love of God is determined within our heart as the identification of the individual God himself the holiness of a man when it comes to his relationship with the holy God is an identification of where we originate from from the holy seed of the word of truth that members us to the family of our holy God making us capable of sanctifying ourselves and performing righteousness he who is unjust let him be unjust still he who is filthy let him be filthy still he who is righteous let him be righteous still he who is holy let him be holy still revelations 22 11 second the holiness of God within the selective love of God is identified within our heart in the protection of the sovereign right rights of God from the unlawful attempts of the of any creation just as King Uziah who came who came into the temple in order to burn fragrant incense upon the altar of incense not being a priest which is why he was struck with leprosy third the holiness of God within the selective love of God is identified within our heart by the gloriousness of God and his holiness over all his 
over all other gods. Who is like you, O Lord, among the gods? Who is like you, glorious in holiness, fearful in praises, doing wonders? Exodus 15:11. The holiness of man in his relationship with God is determined by his regard to the holy love of God. There shall be no foreign god among you, nor shall you worship any foreign god. Psalm 81:9. Fourth, the holiness of God within the selective love of God is identified in our heart by the presence of the unchanging nature of the holy laws of God. His holy commandments and status and statutes therefore the law is <clears throat> is holy and the commandments holy and just and good Romans 7:12 the holiness of man in his relationship with God is determined by his readiness to hear the holy word and the holy laws and holy commandments of God with the preparedness to immediately fulfill them therefore take heed how you hear for, who, for whoever has to him more will be given whoever does not have even what he seems to have will be taken from him Luke 8:18 8, fifth the holiness of God within the selective love of God is identified in our heart in the exalted judgments of God, which reveals itself in the demonstration of righteousness. People shall be brought down, each man shall be humbled, and the eyes of the lofty shall be humbled. But the Lord of hosts shall be exalted in judgment, and God who is holy shall be hallowed in righteousness. Isaiah 5, 15, 16. The holiness of a man in his relationship with God is identified within our heart in our bowing to and humbling ourselves before the will of God. Humble yourself in the sight of the Lord, and he will lift you up. James 4, 10. Sixth, the holiness of God within the selective love of God is identified within our heart in the guiding light, separating light from darkness. Then God said, let there be light, and there was light, and God saw the light that it was good, and God divided the light from the darkness. God called the light day, and the darkness he called li- called night, so the evening and the morning were the, la- were the first day. And if you keep reading, it says that God says, and saw, God saw that it was good. Genesis 1, 3 through 5. The holiness of man in his relationship with God is determined in the legitimate relationship of the intelligent abilities of his wise heart. This is God's darkness with his renewed mind, which is God's light. Psalm 19, 1, 2. The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament shows his handiwork. Day unto day utter speech, and night unto night reveals knowledge. Where does God want to abide? For God, God wants to abide in his dark cloud. And so the day passes on to another day. That is, we have a day, which is the sun, and we pass it on uh, to our mouth that confesses the word. Seventh, the holiness of God within the selective love of God is identified within our heart in true righteousness and holiness, which we have been studying on Fridays, that you put off your concerning your former conduct, the old man, which grows corrupt according to the deceitful lusts and be renewed in the spirit of your mind and that you put on your new man which is created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 4, 22 through 24. The holiness of man within his relationship with God is determined by the demonstration of his uprightness in the sight of God, to walk uprightly before God. Uprightness is holiness. For the Lord your God walks in the midst of your camp to deliver you and give you your enemies over to you. Therefore your camp shall be holy, that he may see no unclean thing among you and turn away from you. Deuteronomy 23, 14. 
Second question, what purpose is the holiness of the love of God called to fulfill within our relationship with God? What role does it play? Studying the purpose of the holiness of God, we will simultaneously be studying it with the purpose of the holiness of man. This is because specifically holiness is called to be the only legitimate field in our relationship with God and God with, with us. The holiness of God presented in the holy love of God is the legitimate field for all forms and levels of a relationship between God and man and man with God. We can therefore make a conclusion that the purpose of the holiness of the love of God in our relationship with God as well as in brotherly love has multiple meanings, is multifaceted, and is multifunctional. Relevant to this, I will bring forth seven components included in the purpose of holiness, identifying the selective love of God by which we are able to determine the purpose of holiness in any of our specific formats of relationship with God. <clears throat> the purpose of holiness within the love of God is called to give a holy person the right to the power to see the Lord. Pursue peace with all people and holiness without which no one will see the Lord, Hebrews 12, 14. You see, holiness is called to give us what? The ability to see the Lord. The phrase pursue peace with all people and holiness, the word to pursue as it as it is, means chase after, follow after, strive for, fight for, or conquer, which indicates the use of time, means, and energy. Therefore, Christ, in his Sermon upon the Mount, talked about people that are pure in heart and that they would see God. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Matthew 5, 8. He means that for the opportunity to have a pure heart, these people paid the required uh, required according to scripture price of holiness for which under no circumstance is there ever a discount the price or condition for the ability to have a pure heart for these people it was necessary by the cross of the Lord Jesus to die for their nation the house of their father and for the corrupt desires of their soul which, which then gave them the ability to separate themselves from disorderly and evil people in order to demonstrate the salt of holiness necessary for collaborating with the holiness of God, identifying the love of God and brotherly love. <clears throat> if we will be communicating with evildoers and the wicked, we will then defile the uh, union of this brotherly love. The soil of a pure heart is the identification of a good and wise heart, which possesses the ability to receive the, wi the wisdom of God in the seed of the preached word about the kingdom of heaven by the means of inclining the ear of your heart to listen to the word of God in order to grow this seed into the tree of life, bearing the, bearing the fruits of righteousness. Second purpose of holiness within the love of God is called to serve for man who has made a covenant of peace with God as God's confirmation with an oath that he will fulfill all that he has promised. I have sworn by my holiness I will not lie to David, Psalm 89, 35. And so when God gives us a promise, he swears by his holiness, he swears by himself. I want to pay our attention to the fact that God making a covenant of peace with man swears with his greatest virtue which is His holiness, as people confirm something during a conflict, swearing by the Most High. 
In the East, for example, where I lived even, they say I swear by my mother because for their for their, them a mother is sacred and so what is the most sacred thing for Jews the mother wasn't the most sacred they swore by Jerusalem Jesus corrected them do not swear by Jerusalem swear by their own head don't swear by your head or Jerusalem don't swear by these things he said you can swear by the name of God but you need to correctly swear. There's a difference between swearing by Jerusalem and swearing by the name of God. If you don't learn the ways of my people, how to uh, swear by my name, then you will perish. Using an oath where God swears with his holiness, he wants to show man who has made a covenant of peace with him that breaking an oath from his side would mean eliminating him as God, which cannot happen. For men indeed swear by the greater, and an oath for confirmation is for them at an end of all dispute. Thus God determined to how more abundantly to the heirs of promise the immutability of his counsel confirmed it by an oath, that by two immutable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we might have strong consolation, who have fled for refuge, to lay a hold of the hope set before us. This hope we have as an anchor of the soul, both sure and steadfast, and which enters the presence behind the veil where the forerunner has entered for us even Jesus having become high priest forever according to the order of Melchizedek Hebrews 6 16 through 20 two immutable things identifying the unchanging nature of God's holiness by which God has sworn this is the blood of the cross of Christ that has been brought in before the face of God in the temple of our heart and the broken body of Christ that is brought into the temple of our heart upon the golden table of showbreads Upon the condition that we are partakers of Zion and have built ourselves into the temple of God, because the oath of God of His holiness belongs to David, who symbolizes Christ. Now, and God swears only in the temple of His body, <clears throat> and there He magnifies His word. Now, His father Zacharias. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit and prophesied, saying, Blessed is the Lord God of Israel, for he has visited and redeemed his people, and has raised up a horn of salvation for us in the house of his servant David, as he spoke by the mouth of his holy prophets, who have been since the world began, that we should be saved from our enemies and from the hand of all who hate us, to perform the mercy promised to our fathers and to remember his holy covenant the oath which he swore to our father Abraham to grant us what we, <clears throat> us that we, being delivered from the hand of our enemies, might serve him without fear, in holiness and righteousness before him all the days of our life. Luke 1, 67-75 <clears throat> In the given prophecy we see how our inherited lot in the name of God, the rock of Israel, is found in the name of God, horn of salvation, about which we will be talking when the time comes. Third, the purpose of the Holy within the love of God is called to give us the right to the power to give glory, honor, and thanksgiving to the one that sits upon the throne who lives forever and ever with the words <coughs> of the four living creature, creatures and the 24 elders. 
And so these symbolic uh, things, uh, the allegories, it talks about the virtues that we will have because of God's holiness. Revelations 4, 8 through 11, the four living creatures, each having six wings, were full of eyes around and within, and they did not rest day or night, saying, Holy, 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 Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come. Whenever the living creatures give glory and honor and thanks to Him who sits on the throne, who lives forever and ever, the 24 elders fall down before Him who sits on the throne and worship Him who lives forever and ever and cast their crowns before the throne, saying, You are worthy, O Lord, to receive glory and honor and power, for You created all things, and by Your will they exist and were created. This vision we see that these four living creatures and the 24 elders are our virtues. They speak of themselves. You have redeemed us from all tribes, tongues, language, people, and have made us a priest, and we will reign on the earth. You see who these 24 elders are. These are people from all tribes, languages, people that have become, gave God the ability to make them kings and priests. And a king and a priest is always a prophet because God spoke to the priests and they passed it on, which makes him a prophet. This vision demonstrated in the format of an allegory shown in the four living creatures presented in the four cherubims and the 24 elders. These are the chosen by God remnant, that is the wife, the bride of the Lamb. First, the word to come in the phrase holy, holy, holy Lord God Almighty, who was and is and is to come, and is to come, he didn't come, he is going to come, indicates the fact that the oath promises of God, where he swore by his holiness that he will fulfill them, have not yet been fulfilled, because he is coming to fulfill them. Second, that the act, the acts that are being done in the given vision are not just happening in the invisible realm, but also the visible realm, because this is happening on earth. Third, waiting for the fulfillment of the oath promises of God, the format of this praise is leaning upon the holiness of God, as it says, holy, 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 Lord God, uh, of hosts, waiting for the fulfillment of the promises of God that belongs to the door of our hope, the chosen by God remnant proclaims the non-existent as existent. Fifth, worshiping God, the chosen by God remnant, putting their crowns before God, demonstrate before the face of God, the structure of God's order in His holy theocracy. The four cherubims and the twenty-four elders say of themselves that they are redeemed by the blood of the cross of Christ from every tribe and tongue and people and nation, and that the Son of God has made them kings and priests to God, and that He will reign on earth. We know that in Scripture, that the fact of Scripture is that every number, and number seven specifically in the exact number, is symbolically wholeness, presenting the body of Christ, that is, the wife, the bride of the Lamb. The four cherubims, they are as one whole, that is, the bride and uh, the wife and the bride of the Lamb. The six wings that the four cherubims had are not something mythical, but people that are in their mortal bodies, as the number six is the number of man. Specifically, this is why they with two wings cover their faces, with two wings they cover their body, and 
And with two, their body, they cover their body as testimony of the fact that in their mortal body, you can't see, you can't uh, see the face of God, which is why they cover. God told Moses, you can't see me in this body and stay alive, which is why they cover. They, by faith, proclaim the not existent as existent. God will give them such a body where they will be able to see him. When he closed their body into the pearl nacre of immortality, then he will be able to, they will be able to see him. And with two wings they fly, that means that they have the power of the Thummim and Urim. You can glide or, or, or fly. For example, the 24, the 24 elders, we see the power of the wisdom that is God's specific judgments which is given to the chosen by God remnant in the, in, in the bride of the Lamb. The four cherubims is the power that the bride of the Lamb has in order to perform and fulfill the judgments that were spoken by the 24 elders. When we study the name of God as horn of salvation, we'll see that all of the words are in these that come from these four horns. You remember that there was a golden altar and there were horns that were on the altar and so uh, they, these things were coming from there. Not having salt in yourself as holiness that identifies the holy love of God, we will never be able to give God the proper foundation to give us the ability uh, to make us holy so that we could then perform judgment over the wicked and the lawless. Considering that our time is up, we will bend our knees and our heads and we will pray. And those saints that would like to resist sin within their body, they want to confront these lust ambitions in their body. They want to restore, restore a broken covenant with God. They want to be free from sin, from fear. They want to dedicate themselves to God. We wait for you here at the altar. The Holy Spirit is here to help you restore yourselves so you can be in joy and with your wings can go into the world and demonstrate the function of a warrior in prayer. Amen. Let us pray. We wait for you here. I am going to be praying your prayer and I ask you to deeply believe that God is on your side. 
He is not against you. He has given His Son so that you can be holy in your beginning and righteous in your beginning. Although you may have fallen to dependence of sin, know that God has come to deliver you from sin, that you are His children and that He can do this. Close your eyes. This is your secret room. Lift your hands to God. This is a sign that your hands are without uh, wrath or doubt. Pray together with me. Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, I come to you. I ask you, forgive me, wash me, cleanse my heart, cleanse my mind, cleanse my mouth, I want to proclaim your name with a pure mouth. I want to step upon the neck of my lusts, my desires. I hate them. I hate sin. May it be cursed in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. With your name, I step upon him. With your name, I bind the old person in my body so that your stronghold of life would receive the proper basis to be erected in my body. And right now, before heaven and hell, I want to proclaim that in accordance to your words, I am washed, I am cleansed, I am healed, I am restored, I am justified, and I am saved. Your sins are forgiven, and your trespasses in the name of Jesus Christ May the Lord bless you. May He look upon you with His great face and show you His mercy and give you peace. May thousands and ten thousands attempt to come near you, but they won't touch you. May upon you the blessing of the ancient mountains and everlasting hills, that is, all these things shall be fulfilled upon you, and the nation shall say, Amen. when you will go and start this battle in yourselves, don't base what happens off of what you feel. Base it on the information that you heard today. You are righteous before God. You are very valuable. And when you've accepted in your heart the promise and confess it, your faces attract Him, and He wants to hear the voice. He wants you to confess who God is for you and what He has done for you, who you are for Him. Let us proclaim our unchanging manifestation. Now now to Him who is able to keep you from stumbling and to present you faultless before the presence of His glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen <laughs> 